Well, let me tell you a little something about me. When it's Saturday night, I need to blow off some steam. One, two, three, four! I did it. Troy was early. All right. I swear that's never happened before. Okay. Are we ready? We are. Okay. Again, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Equipment Talk from IRA. And uh, I'm Ray Henry. They call me the Colonel. Uh, Troy Henry, President Brad. Logan. Jordan. All right. All the gangs here, I'll tell you. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank everybody that is actually out there uh, in the podcast watching world, and uh, they're enjoying some of the things that we have to talk about. You know, there's a lot of interesting things out there, and we just figured we'd love sharing it, and uh, I guess that's what we're going to do today. So I think we'll throw it back over to Logan. Logan, why don't you start us out here today? I don't want to give Jordan all the glory. <laughs> I lost the privilege. <laughs> today. All right. Well, first, first thing... Uh, we see here is steel wrist launches a new a tilt rotator for excavators up to 2.5 tons yeah anybody knows what 2.5 ton equals in pounds five four thousand five hundred pounds something like that five thousand pounds it's right at five thousand pounds right on boy i'll tell you what you've been doing your homework hadn't you <laughs> yeah. but but just think on that size of an excavator it's nice light i mean they're not too terribly bad because what weighs 5,000 pounds it's comparable that you'd put on a trailer anybody know car car is going to be a little less than 5,000 pounds but you know if you get a truck you can get usually somewhere around that 5,000 pounds if it's if it's a bigger truck it's going to get heavier of course if it's four door and long box and one mm -hmm. ton three quarter ton just kind of giving an idea what size or for weight category you know and um so what are they saying about this uh new steel wrist uh launch that they're doing on this uh excavators attachment what are they saying about that um you know i don't know really enough about these things it's not like it's picking up anything it's more like it's just designed for excavators that support that amount of weight right um and you know it says here it's got an optimized range of work tools such as grading digging cable trenching asphalt cutting and ripping uh, basically turns your excavator into a versatile tool carrier that can do a wide range of applications yeah it's like a quick patch right and uh you know they say that they, yeah it's a multi heavy duty though you know it's going to take some pressure this thing's going to take a little bit of uh a, you know if you start talking about you know ripping up asphalt or you know taking putting pressure to something this thing's going to take a little pressure because you know that hydraulic arm's got some some weight to you know it'll, it's really got some torque to it so they're they're heavy duty but um this thing will rotate it it says right here it's called the xo2 kind of a cool deal huh it's a maxi carry or carriage yeah it's an interesting looking tool to be able to yeah i'm trying to grasp it better 
I was reading through it and I just. <laughs> it just lets you slap on a bunch of different tools. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just kind of what it does to that smaller excavator, just kind of wow. It just opens it up for everything. Remember, they, they say that it's made specifically for excavators below 2.5 tons, but it still works on two 2.5 tons, four, four ton excavators pretty nicely, they say. Pardon my ignorance. 4,000 pound, you mean? <laughs> is this what Still Wrist is like known for? Probably. Their company name is called Steel Wrist, so. Well, I think the wrist part is, you know, if you think about it, your, your wrist turns back and forth. And then it bends forward and back, you know what I mean, and and uh, or side to side. So it gives it more versatility when you pull out your arm for an excavator, and you can tilt it whatever which way you want. So it's going to give it a lot more versatility for the tools that you're using, and maybe for some of the slopes that you know that you might be grooming, or even because it says you know that. Uh, you could be cutting into asphalt, and it could be on curbs or whatever, right? And then also, you know, if you were looking at it for maybe even doing some land leveling or something, so you wouldn't have to bring a skid steer in or or another piece of equipment that you could use that. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of great features to that unit, I would think. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, I checked out their sorry. website, and they specialize in ex accessories. Accessories, yeah. So they're basically telling you that they're building a swivel so you can put more stuff on it that will build for you, right? <laughs> well, I think it's, they're, I'm, I'm looking through different sites on them too, and it looks like um, it looks like a lot of the stuff that they do has to do a lot with demolition, and I think that they're trying to get and move away from that a little bit to be able to broaden their band, broaden their horizon, trying to make those smaller machines be able to do that work inside of. Smaller location, you know, still have to have those capabilities. Like a mining tunnel, for instance. Maybe they try to be more like Komatsu, who's acquiring mine site technologies to expand underground mining technologies that are available. Yeah, well, Komatsu, you know, they're uh, they try to lead in technology. I mean, they build more more stuff than you think. I'm I've actually uh, I was over at a, a pipeline uh, corporation that, that they do pipeline work. And um, and they actually bought a uh, a ball that uh, was built by um, Komatsu that would actually grind tunnels, and it had little wheels all the way around this thing. So you know they've been in that technology for a while. So you know when you see the mining, you see a round hole like that. It's usually a um, some type of a, a grinder or a uh, a head. Yeah, it's like an earthworm, but they're a little different. They don't drill it like, you know, you see on cartoons and stuff with the big drill going down. It's actually a big ball that has a lot of wheels on it that pull the dirt in, and it drops it down into the center, and then it conveyors it out so they can hook as much stuff on it and keep conveying it out as far as they want to. So it, it's it's kind of cool, but it's, it's, it's a whole different uh, mindset. Now, when they talk about the GPSing under, yeah. underground... That's a different yeah. different way of uh, thinking about it too. Just think you're getting a signal underground, right? Yeah, somehow you're drawing a signal through stone. Well, also, I mean, you got to think of this as, uh, I mean, like GPS is basically in the way we look at it, like 2D, right? Like you know where they're at on a map, not how high they are or low they are in a map. And that's like a whole new level of, uh, like, you know, certainly they got to be 
thinking about that stuff, they're going to be doing under underground autonomy like that because they got to know how deep something is, right, or how deep it's going, or you know, and stuff like that. So, um, I think I think there's already a lot of technology available for the mining industry, and you know, manufacturers like Komatsu getting in to the game only make it feel like it's going to get crazier, you know. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in the future when you, we have the threat of like it getting too hot outside, they're just going to start building whole underground cities. Yeah, as long as they're not close to a volcano, huh? I certainly hope <laughs> or, or a geyser that floods the whole city. Yeah. Well, I yeah. kind of think that that Komatsu is also trying to address another issue of how everything has been drawn towards safety, which don't get me wrong, safety is important, but when, you, when you're looking at watching safety, you lose production. So I, they're kind of gearing up to be able to put everything into automation so that you don't have people there and your safety risks are gone. Well, I'll have to pay those OSHA fines. <laughs> That'd be big ones too. <laughs> well, and that's mainly what they want to do is they want to produce they want to boost the safety of a mine, which is already, it by nature, very unsafe, um, and and just make all that stuff better with better technology. Yeah, that's exactly right. I you know, I quote here: the solutions contribute to the digitization and optimization of underground mining operations. Yeah, exactly. So all they're trying to do is, is just like you said, they're trying to make it safer. They're trying to make it so that they can actually program it to do what they need it to do because um, then it's more accurate, right? And you don't have to do it twice or go back. You know, I've seen some guys that, uh, you know, they start digging holes or, or something like that, and all of a sudden they get to the other end and they come together where they're going to put pipe on it, and here they're three or four feet uh, or they're one foot or two foot off to one side or, or too low or too high. And with the right technology, you would take away that, uh, that room for error. And, uh, you know, they say that, you know, when people do it, they, they usually do it two to three times to get it right. When you do with technology, you put it in once and, and it's once and done, you know. So that's kind of a cool deal. And that's... There's a lot of interesting Komatsu news coming out. I mean, these aren't... We didn't really plan to talk about some of this stuff, but I'm just going to read some headlines here. With, like uh, one here says Komatsu introduces a 400-ton electric drive rear dump truck, which is a huge... Mass, you know those big dump trucks that you you usually think about on job sites that are you know the well, wheels are bigger than like twice as big as a, a car. So another headline says Komatsu is developing digital technology to run construction equipment in space. In space, <laughs> yeah, right. In, in space. And then we covered uh, that in that micro excavator. Yeah, we already yeah. know about that. Yeah, we covered the micro, yeah. the electric, the electric micro excavator. Uh, so it, it seems like Komatsu's, uh, they're doing a lot of stuff right now. They took their stock price, roughly. They took their stock public, did you say? I look at their but prices, I bet they're pretty high. <laughs> well, that's... Talking about some, uh, some crazy stuff, which, since we're talking about electric stuff, it's a perfect little segue into what we did want to talk about, which is um, LaBear to showcase battery-powered equipment, hydrogen engines, and digital solutions at Bauma 2022, which is a uh, expo. It's, a, it's like an expo. They it says here they're going to have over 70 exhibits that include um, new products and developments in the areas of constructions, yeah. uh, construction machine, cranes, material handling technology, mining, and components, um, which is huge. 
which I, I personally, I find the hydrogen engine the most interesting thing. Obviously, we know what battery-powered equipment is and, you know, what that's all about. But a hydrogen engine. They've been a thing before. We've talked about it on the pod. I used to actually, I played with hydrogen um, using it as a, uh, as a fuel source in my past that, um, you know, it's electrolysis. I guess, have you ever heard of, uh, you know, they, you ever, they said, well, if you drop something electrical inside of a, a tub or something like that, you know, you're going to get a shock. Well, if you sent those shocks through that water, it actually changes the, um, the positive to a negative in the um, protons and neutrons in the uh, water. But anyways, what it does is it will change the structure so you'll get hydrogen coming off water because water is H2O, right? So when you start taking water and you take electrolysis and you run it through it and it's sparking back and forth under the water, it's actually changing the uh, atoms so you're getting a positive and a negative. And there's typically... When you, when you split an atom, you're actually going to change it to the negative, and then you're going to have more negatives than positives floating around, which actually in return, it splits off the gases out of the water. So your H2O turns into oxygen, hydrogen, and you can burn it because it'll support itself that way. And, and that's why they're saying that, uh, you know, up here in the north, if our waters froze, it's pretty hard to use electrolysis. Pun intended or unintended? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it says down here. I mean, they they're going to be trying to use it for medium and heavy duty machines, as well as large engines with seven to one hundred liter capacities. A big engine. That cost of water is going up, boys. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and just think about it. You know, water is. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a well, it's a source that we need, right? We're how many percent water within the human body? And, you know, if you think about atomic scale, what's the highest gas on atomic scale, which would be hydrogen, right? And if you start taking it out of the water, you got more power. You know, you've got a lot more things that you can utilize to, uh, to drive that uh, force for that piston to go up and down and, or that engine to run. So it is a, it's, a force, it's a force to reckon in with. It's um, actually got uh, uh, a lot of things going for it. Now, you know, there's also some other things that, go away from that so when you start taking water and you start running it through and let's say that uh, it comes out of suspension so the oxygen hydrogen come back together turns into droplets again then you have it where you can have uh, an iron oxide where if you're using iron and you run it through you're gonna get some corrosion coming from that too so um, those are things you got to think about that's why they use uh, lubricants such as oil or or other types of um of uh, slippery-based substances to make the, uh, uh, you know, the, the iron or the engine not to rust, you know. And, and that's why fuel, if you're using, you know, gasoline or diesel, it's an oil product, right? And they all, they kind of lubricate the engine as they go through as well, you know. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of cool things there, you know. But LeBaire has been around for quite some time. And just think, having 70 exhibits... You got to have a lot of stuff going on to have 70 exhibits. And I'll guarantee those exhibits cost them, you know, per exhibit, depending upon what, how many spaces they've got. But they're over a, a thousand bucks a pop, I would say for sure, wouldn't you? Oh, You've been you, doing some trade shows, right? I mean, Joy? just to hold that, just to hold that spot. Yeah, that has zero to do with the amazing pieces of machinery that they bring there. 
and all the time and money that they have dumped into that. But yeah, I mean, just to hold that booth spot is is a grand, which I'll guarantee you is a drop in the bucket compared to the booth cost there. Yeah. So they sell the most expensive piece of machinery. Yeah. They sell the most expensive. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What is the most expensive? Was it that? It's that, that big wheel, thing. Yeah, the the wheel shovel. The wheel excavator, wheel shovel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of went into that one time too, didn't we? Mm-hmm. It's, it's also the large. Heard of? Uh, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. We'd already said it before. Say, do you guys heard of Mama? Mama. Mama. Oh, Mama. Mama. Oh, the Mama. No, yeah. I... yeah, the actual. <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't heard of that that convention. No. Yeah, I've I've heard of it many times. It's um it started actually I think it that one start it starts overseas that uh, that convention is and it is for a world market. So it's to market it through the bigger companies such as dealers are looking for to help represent the product that's coming out and that's what the the manufacturers are looking for. And if they get so many dealers that are willing to, you know, put their hats in the ring Hey, they say, okay, then we're going to make this a product line that we can uh, actually distribute to you, and and here's what the requirements are. So that's what they're looking for. They're looking not only to show off their products to the world, but they're lo- looking to show off their products to dealers that uh, can see the, uh, you know, the insight of what they can do with that product to remarket it to the industry. So it's kind of cool. I mean, there's some things that are real specialized that you only might only sell two, three of them, you know, in a lifetime, but you know how many millions they're worth. <laughs> so you don't have to sell as many, right? I can't read German. A lot of the is about, is about, you know, battery powered stuff. I mean, it even, there's another related article down here, which is a little bit unrelated, but it says that Cat steps back from Bauma and Zeppelin takes on the stand which is, you know, if Kat is stepping down from from taking up the hot seat, surely times are changing. Well, the one thing you got to think about Caterpillar we'll about is that, that is there, there's a lot of dealers. Okay, so we, you know, we, with uh, just some of the things that we're doing, and we do trade shows and stuff, right? So there's a truck trade show that usually is every year, and it's usually down in, uh, is where is it out of... Uh, I was thinking Louisiana or out in that er- that area. Chicago, they'll have it. They'll have it in different areas. Indiana and the stuff SEMA, like that. You mean? What's that? I'm talking. Or oh, you said semis. Sorry. For I'm semis, not. it's semi trucks and trailers and stuff like that. But they're they do these trade shows. But right now, the dealers they all opt out this year because they don't have any product to sell. So now, when you start talking about going and doing this trade show, you know this one here is basically to plan out for four to five years. And they have it, uh, usually it was every other year is what they were having this trade show to, you know, get more dealers and to keep expanding their their uh, manufacturing abilities, I guess, for different types of products. But just think about this, though. Now they're going to have uh, a worldwide trade show. Now, where's the pandemic? You know, where's that coming into this? What are they going to have to do to do this with so many different countries? And... If they're having it in China, well, China shut down for wasn't it a month here now? Just lately. Well, I don't know what their restriction, what what status they're at right at this moment. I, I haven't looked at that, but I do know that for a while they were on. It took you you were on lockdown for a month. Yeah, China was. They first one side of the river they shut down, and then 
they gave the other side like a week or something like that or two and and they shut down the other side so i know that they were shut down on both sides for like 30 days or a month so that they could uh, keep this under control uh, containment i don't it's an interesting idea i mean i hope that it goes well with that the mine set that's held with within that area um I think they got a lot of things that are, they're up against, though, as well. Yeah. You know. Maybe that's why Cat stepped back. Well, that could very well Kat be. Cat probably did the research on it and said, you know what, for what it's going to cost to go over there, how many millions, uh, we'll probably just stay home. Because, you know, it's not just renting a space there, guys and gals. I'll tell you what, it's like, okay, we got to. It's in Europe, so they got to fly to Europe and all their stuff over there. Right. All their stuff. Just think of these cranes and, and these excavators and. I mean, that are in like how many pieces? I know that some of these cranes, 10 loads to get it in, 10 semi loads. And I mean, that's some big semis. It's not little stuff, it's big stuff. Well, on our last podcast, too, I mean, I think we touched on the point that Cat's also a little bit behind on their advancements. So they're trying to catch up? I, I, feel, I don't know the answer, but I feel like they might a little behind the ball on it and i don't think they felt like they were going to be able to present what they needed to well you should have a talk with caterpillar and tell them to buck up like that (laughs) labears or these guys over here that kamatsu did over there with the tunnel stuff (laughs) i apologize caterpillar if i am wrong (laughs) Uh, we all love caterpillar so it's you know machinery is is great as long as you have two things number one you have the supply of the machineries right Mm -hmm. And number two, you have the service. If you have those two things, machines are great, but you got to be able to use them. So if they can't have the service or the parts, I guess you don't have a very good uh, product line, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and well, actually, I read into it a little bit here. Zeppelin's actually a local dealer for Cat, so Cat's still going to be there. It's just it's, a, oh. it's one of their dealers, not Cat themselves. Oh, They're probably okay. already over in Europe. Yep. I would go ahead and look. We're, worldwide but yeah no caterpillars and mm. they're in europe they're all over i mean yeah. yeah but it's probably easier for that dealer to go and you know yeah. like their home base well they, they probably are just um you know they didn't want to utilize just caterpillar was doing it they wanted to probably push the dealer over in that area so that they could help him uh or them sell the product the caterpillar builds right Let's uh, let's talk about Hitachi now. Oh no, new new one, huh? Yeah, it looks like they came out with a new excavator. Didn't we talk about Hitachi's last one? Wasn't it Hitachi and John Deere? In the X, a little bit of Caterpillar in there too. Oh, well, I think it was we were talking about Hitachi and John Deere were separating, right, in the excavators and stuff. I believe that's what it was. So they, because Hitachi and John Deere have been together for many years, and now that they're saying is Hitachi is decided to kind of go off on their own in this deal. Must be a new product line or something, huh? It's, uh, it's supposed to be a best-in-class power and speed. Uh, it's supposed to be quiet and roomy. And it says here it, uh, the excavator runs on 163.6. Uh, it runs on a 160 horsepower Isuzu 4-cylinder engine. And it has a max dig reach of 32 feet 7 inches and a max dip, dig depth of 27 feet 11 inches. Four cylinder engine. Okay, so now they did was they 
they took a, a bigger machine that weighs 25 ton, okay? 25 tons, so that's 50,000 pound machine, right? Because tons into pounds is double. So if you take 25 ton, put it into pounds, it's 50,000 pounds. So a machine that size that's quiet, four-cylinder diesel, that's going to be fairly quiet. Mm -hmm. So the four-cylinder diesel is charging the batteries, basically, is what we're saying here. We have electric drives for motors. We have electric drives for um, the servos for the hydraulic um, excavator, and it's going to make it way quieter. I would say yes, and it should be. It should have as much or more power because electric has got a lot power, huh? Probably more. Probably more yeah, power. What I'm hyped up about is because this is just a simple little excavator. It seems like, but then when you look at the engineering behind it, it's actually a sneaky little beast. You know, they were saying quiet. it's quiet is right. And you know what else they're saying? They were saying that they're not getting away from the gas or, I mean, gas, the diesel or the, you know, the look of it from prior because they want them parts to be interchangeable. So it looks, it sounds like that, that, that same unit, they could take uh, and put a diesel uh, drive motor in it basically and pumps and everything else. And it would be able to work in kind of the same fashion other than the electric will probably be, like you say, quicker more fuel efficient and uh, and basically have a little more power. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. They think that they can they actually think that with their way that their pump supplies goes that you'll have better better control of your stick and your attachment. Which is impressive. I mean I don't the things that they can already do with those machines is ridiculous, but Yeah, I mean Amen. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is that, you know, to run a cylinder, you're running some type of a pump, right? Well, correct, correct. I just mean, like, in being specific enough that, I mean, I've watched excavator operators take the beer cap off a bottle, for the love of God. I mean, how do you get a whole lot more accurate than that? Have better eyesight. Uh, thread the needle. <laughs> there you go. Actually, I think I saw a video of a guy do that, too. With an excavator? Yeah. Had it been a big needle. No, it wasn't. I couldn't even I couldn't even see the hole in the needle in the video. So I well, feel like I feel like it was I feel like it was an optical delusion for me. Yeah, it might have been. I'll tell you that that's a that's a different throw of starting to do something like that. I did see an excavator that that was on that was in Mexico, and this um, Mexican uh, it would look Mexican, Spanish, whatever. He, uh, he actually was operating it, and I thought, wow, now this guy is accurate. He could take, he had a thumb on it, and he had a, you know, he had like a clam. And this lady was standing there. He took her hat off her head. He, he turned around, and he took her gloves off her hands, right off her hands. He took, and he grabbed the dress, and he picked it right up off, yeah. She had a swimming suit on, so where is this it's all going? good. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm I'm saying that uh, the accuracy behind this, you know, it, it's very dangerous. I mean, it's like somebody taking a uh, an arrow and shooting that apple off the top of your forehead. You know what I mean? And if they weren't right on, you might get it right in the old noggin. You know? And uh, I'd rather take the chance with the arrow. That might glance, not just go. Like a grape. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's what was have scary. You, yeah. Have you guys seen the? Uh, there's competitions in Japan where they stack cocktail glasses with forklifts. Oh really? Yeah. Do they, they've got crazy operator 
competitions around the world. And that one is a really cool one. They held a uh, like competition for the Guinness World Record. It was wild. <laughs> for what was the Guinness World Record for? Most glasses stacked with a forklift. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did they have a clam on it or was it a... Um, what kind of fork did just with forks or how, how would, how did they utilize them? They had, it's got a fork, but it's got like a attachment on the front of it. That's yeah. like a U shape. But it just, it just it. cradles it. So it's got fingers it. on it. It's got fingers thing. Grab it. Or yeah. Well, they don't grab it. It's just hooking it from the bottom. Right. So, I mean, you got that and then you watch some videos where you got forklift drivers that can't even avoid an entire stack of, you know, tires. <laughs> well, yeah, tire, tires, I'm thinking of pallet racking entirely, but I mean, it's, it's cool to see the variations and the skills and the talents that take place. Oh, there's some people out there that can do some amazing things, you know. stacked 16 of them. 16 glasses? Now, did he do them in, a, in like in a try and set them one and then one and then another no, one center? No, they were just straight up. Oh, really? One glass inside of another all the way up 16 times. Wow. I feel like I know guys that couldn't do that with their hands. I couldn't do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> cute. Yeah. Listen, I can barely crush a car. Well, <laughs> you crush it in the center. How's that sound? <laughs> Did good enough, I guess. Yeah. Enough, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was our last topic. So why don't you send us off, tell them about the next auction, plug our website, and tell them anything else you'd like to tell them, and then send them on the road. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Ray Henry, Colonel Ray from IRA Companies, IRA Auctions. We're actually doing equipment talk for IRA. I want to tell you about the next auction coming up here, which is going to be Wednesday, June 22nd. And that's going to start uh, the simulcast at 8 a.m. Actually, you can go look online uh, prior to it on up till 5.59 a.m. the day of the auction. So... We're ready to, you know, go out and have some fun. Our website is www.iraymn.com, and uh, we're proud. We're proud of all the people that work with us and that uh, sell with us. And we want to thank everybody that actually listens to our podcast. And I do appreciate you guys being out here today to to have this time together to actually talk over some of the subjects that we have. We're going to have some more subjects coming up right down the road here, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we want to thank you for coming out here. I'm Colonel Ray Henry signing out. Thanks for the fun. Next time, Troy. See you later, everybody. Impressive results all year. Goodbye. <laughs> That's what I raise hands for. Yeah.